Welcome to the Law Firm Culture 2.0 show, where your questions help the legal community build progressive, productive, and profitable workplace cultures that work for everyone by leveraging the power of authentic relationships. Hey, I'm your host. I'm Camila Exum, former attorney and relationship ICU patient, currently principal consultant and executive coach at Exum Consulting, where I'm a relationship jogger and I am training for the triathlon. Greetings and salutations. It is time once again to talk about our favorite topic, everyone, law firm culture. Woo! Thanks for being here and for doing your part to improve culture by doing your relationship workout. So today we're going to be adding reps to your circuit. So be sure to have lots of water ready. And if you're anything like I am, maybe two, three, maybe even four towels at the ready. This one's a challenge, but I know you're up for it. So let's get into it. Today's question comes to us from Audrey. How do I apologize without making things worse? I've been working with a junior associate through our firm's mentorship program. A while back, Clark had been preparing for a motion hearing and he was nervous about appearing in front of a particular judge, but he was prepared and he did a great job in court. When I gave him my feedback, which was largely positive, I noticed that he withdrew some. I asked him if he had any questions, but he said no. I thought it odd, but I let it go. Everything has been fine since. Fast forward to this past week. We partners took a workshop on unconscious bias and microaggressions. As soon as the facilitator said the words, my mind took me right back to Clark, giving him feedback after his hearing. I know I told him he was articulate. I'm white and he's African-American. I meant it as a compliment, but I know now that I probably insulted him and I am embarrassed. I would like to tell him about what I've learned and to apologize to him, but I worry he's forgotten about it or it isn't a big deal to him or worse, that I'd be reopening a wound if I brought it up. How do I apologize without making things worse? Oh boy, this one hits home. I am simultaneously cringing and grateful to you for your willingness to demonstrate vulnerability by asking these questions, Audrey. You must have listened to episode five. As I've said before on this show, it's perfectly human to make mistakes. Now, because you are brave enough to speak up, together we can help a wider audience learn to never say those words to a Black person again. Today's topic is microaggressions. Now, I'm not going to attempt to cover this subject holistically. There are micro-insults and micro-assaults and micro-invalidations. And microaggressions can also be behavioral, like when you assume someone is part of the custodial staff or they're there to park your car. There are lots of DEIB trainers out there who are better suited to teach you everything you need to know. By the way, hire them. But I'm going to shed some light on this specific microaggression, you're so articulate, and it's evil twin, you're so well-spoken, to help listeners better understand the concept and how microaggressions interfere with our goal, which is relationship building. Microaggressions can be defined as everyday exchanges that evoke a sense of subordination for groups with marginalized social identities. So they typically arise when we've stereotyped a person or a particular group as one thing, and then we speak or act on that assumption regardless of its accuracy. 
So for instance, it is very common for people of all races to use the microaggression, you're so articulate or you're so well-spoken against black people when we speak with clarity, poise, and thoughtfulness. The stereotype is that we are inarticulate and so it is literally remarkable when we demonstrate otherwise. That feels insulting. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty reticent to enhance my relationships with people who insult me, even when the insult is unintentional. Make sense? I also want to sneak in a coaching theme here, humility. Now stay with me. Hold on, everybody. If you weren't already clutching your pearls at microaggressions, I know you are now. There's something that happens, something magical about the JD that quashes this quality in us, but it's still there. It's in us and it's accessible. We don't know everything. And when we're open to new ideas and new ways of being, we are better lawyers, colleagues, friends, and family members. So now that we know more about Audrey's concern and what led her there, Let's coach around how she, as a leader in her firm, can address the issue with Clark and perhaps with her partners. Audrey, I hear you say that you want to apologize to Clark, but you're concerned that the apology would be inappropriate or harmful. Is that right? If you knew that Clark would appreciate the apology, what would you want him to know? What would you say to him? How and where would you say it? Who else might you involve? So I'm starting here by getting some clarity around Audrey's intended action. And then, of course, we move on to check in with what her authentic self would do. Audrey, tell me about the reason it feels so important to you to apologize to Clark. Here, I want Audrey to really hone in on her intent if she hasn't done so already through that first set of questions. There's a lot of fear here about how Clark might react. So it'll be useful for Audrey to have a beacon to hold on to as she decides what to do. And in the moment, she apologizes if that's, if that's the choice she makes. So she needs to be able to say to herself, I'm scared, but this is why this action is important to my authentic self. Audrey, considering what you just told me, does it still matter to you whether Clark has forgotten the issue or if it doesn't matter to him? Here, I'm thinking that Audrey's authentic self really does want to apologize. And so this would be the first part of the fear analysis. Remember, she said she was concerned that if she brought up the microaggression at this later date, it might just be water under the bridge. So in the context of what her authentic self wants to do, I want her to re-ask herself these questions. Also, I make up that Clark hasn't forgotten, <laughs> right? I mean, do you forget when someone insults you, even if they don't mean to? Probably not. Audrey, what's the worst thing that might happen if you were to apologize to Clark? How might you prepare for and manage that result? How much does intent versus impact matter here? What responsibility do you have for how Clark responds to you? What would be your reaction if someone sincerely apologized to you and brought up a sad or scary memory for you? How might you feel about the apology? What's the best thing that could happen if you apologize to Clark? We're starting off here with the second part of the fear analysis, the fear that the apology will trigger Clark. But you'll notice I'm going a little deeper here around the worst case scenario than I usually do because I'm seeing some considerations that perhaps Audrey isn't. 
First, remember, we don't control how others think about us or the outcomes of our processes. We can only act with authenticity, which by definition is open-hearted. Second, I want Audrey to consider that maybe both things can be true, that Clark might be reminded of the emotion around the microaggression and appreciate the apology. And then, of course, we want to think about how apologizing could be a good thing in ways Audrey hasn't thought of yet. Audrey, how might this experience be a learning opportunity for others in the firm? How might they receive the lesson in a way that furthers healthy culture while protecting Clark's and your own dignity? Now, Audrey didn't ask this, but she did say that she and her partners were recently in a meeting about microaggressions. And, you know, I am always looking for a reason to do some relationship building. So I want Audrey to think through whether and how there's a way that the partners can combine what they learned in class and this experience to further their work around combating microaggressions around the office. I don't know if that would be a staff training or Audrey talking about having uh, an illustrative experience with an anonymous colleague or something else. I don't know. That's up to her. But this could be an opportunity for leadership to get creative and do some triathlon training for the whole office. believe this is episode seven already? Where are your questions? I know there are more of you out there who've been wondering about this or that at work, but you haven't asked yet. You know you can ask us anything related to workplace culture, right? Send your questions to info at eximconsulting.com. That's info at E-X-U-M as in Mary, consulting.com. And if you'd like to craft a trust-building strategy or do some coaching with us, drop us a line. We are waiting on you. Okay, time for my two cents. Avoiding microaggressions is not about walking on eggshells. It's about being mindful of and critically examining your biases. We all have them. Give some thought to your assumptions before you blurt or act. Even if you're coming from warmth and kindness, consider two things before you speak or approach someone. One, would you make the same remark to someone who looks just like you? Not the same idea, but the same remark. And two, are you speaking as a result of a stereotype you hold of the group to which your listener belongs? Practice using mindfulness to walk yourself through these questions before you talk to anyone. That will help you normalize this manner of thinking before you speak so that it is more readily available to you when you do talk to members of marginalized groups. Yes, microaggressions can also be gestures or facial expressions. And of course, they're more difficult to get ahead of than a speech or overt behavior. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't work at it. Just as you train for the triathlon over time, you can keep training to eliminate microaggressions from your interactions and to own your mistakes when you make them. Remember, humility looks beautiful on you. And that is all she wrote. I will leave you today with a quote from C.S. Lewis. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. 
truth teller. All right. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you next time.